Welcome back to another episode of Let's Face the Facts. This is the podcast where I sit down with a friend, watch an episode of The Facts of Life, hit record, and then we talk about it and a lot of other stuff. My name is David Almeida, I'm your host, and my guest this week is Alexander Morozik. He is a fellow Orlando actor, singer, writer, producer, he also directs, and uh, we've worked together many, many times over the last several years. The episode we watched was uh, Season 1, Episode 8, called The Facts of Love. It originally aired on April 4th, 1980, and um, because it's the episode about sex education, Alex and I do go off on a little bit of a tangent as far as talking about sex and dating and hookup apps, and uh, we get a little bit personal here, but it's all kind of good and fun, and I think that's the direction I would like this podcast to go. So please indulge me as I continue the evolution and figure out exactly what this show is and, more importantly, what it's going to eventually become. We can just jump right in. This is me with Alexander Morozik. Well, here we are. I am sitting down with the lovely and talented Alex Morozik. That's very nice. And you said my last name correctly, which mm-hmm. is, I mean, we've known each other long enough, so you should. I, but, I'd hope so. Yeah. But, it's, it is eight, eight years plus now. Because we first met doing uh, the Cradle Will Rock. Which I always want to call the hand that rocks the cradle, but it is not. <laughs> it is not the musical version. It um, is not. And Alan Brun would not cast me in the Rebecca de Mornay role, <laughs> which irked me to no end. Well, But yeah, so we met doing that show and our, our paths seem to have never uncrossed no. throughout the land of theater That's and true. theme parks and all, all of performance that Central Florida has to offer. It does. It has a lot to offer. Mm-hmm. Not just theme parks. Yes. Visit Orlando.com. Yeah. <laughs> Alex, Alex loves Orlando.com. I'm, I'm trying to get a sponsor. <laughs> so we are, um, we just sat and watched uh, episode, season one, episode eight. This episode is called The Facts of Love. Oh, okay. Well, I see what they did there. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, before we start, I always ask my guest, what connection do you have the show? What, to, uh, what level of familiarity <laughs> do you bring to the table? Uh, you know, I'm going to be probably one of the ones that has very, uh, very little that I have connected with. Um, I think the biggest thing is I, um, people would tell me that I do a pretty good Mrs. Garrett with the... <laughs> Girls, 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 (laughs) But I never actually watched it. And then sometimes it would just slip into like my Paul Lint impersonations. Totally. You are not the first person to make that connection. I don't know if they've ever been in the same room together. So (laughs) it's a possibility something you should look into. Yes. And uh, my my twos of listeners of this podcast (laughs) know that it is going to be uh, a never-ending barrage of bad Mrs. Garrett impressions. Yes. And, you know, mine being the constant that grounds it all, but I'm so happy that you jumped in with that without oh, my even course. having to prompt you. Like, that is about that is it. You. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so you so you technically never really watched the show. I, I've seen clips of it. And you're I, you're you young. Know. You're only in your early 30s, so it was not Why, like it was you. on when you were a kid. <laughs> no, it wasn't. No. Okay. But you've always heard of it, and you've heard of Mrs. Garrett and, and Tootie and, and Natalie. And, so and it was on TV land. Yeah, you were familiar. I'm familiar with the characters. You're aware of them, and, and so you have that idea of like, 
of what it is. It exists in my realm of sure. of consciousness. Yeah, well, it it is a a decade defining sitcom. Uh, so that you are aware of it, I think, is a, a thing that is good and right about the world that we live in. That's true. Yep. <laughs> Which I and I want I lo- I don't know if we're going to talk about it because obviously other people. I love the classic opening sequence of this TV show. It's just that perfect eighties like watching sequence events that will probably never or did ever happen oh, in the show. Oh, where God, they're just like yes. here, everyone put on a muumu and walk through this waterfall, <laughs> and you're like, where are they? Why are they doing this? Yeah, friends. They never had umbrellas. They never nope. danced in a waterfall never, ever in never. all ten years of Friends. But those are my. Like my favorite. You're like, they never did this. They are so beautifully cheesy. And this one, the one of Mrs. Garrett sitting on the bench and all the girls kind of crowding around her and her just shrugging and looking, having like, oh, I'm so frazzled. I'm sitting and there's a bunch of girls around me. Oh, you know. We do get a couple of those in subsequent seasons, kind of the girls just sort of posing and all. (laughs) We're just sort of all standing around enjoying each other to conveniently have a you know, a tableau of us before we show other yeah. stuff. But most of the subsequent themes are clips from the show. This is the, the this is one they clearly put the most effort into. Yeah, yeah. So our episode begins with Molly coming down the stairs with a pamphlet saying, well, it's official. My hormones are triggered. And she basically announces to the room that she has officially entered puberty. According to this pamphlet. I think that'd be nice, though, wouldn't it? If you just received that one day, if you're just like, hey, here you um, go, in the mail. <laughs> like, yeah. get ready for this. Yeah. You know and what to do. Then you don't have to worry about it. You're like, why is this happening to me? Oh, yeah. I have this And I believe manual. I know some women who would appreciate that for menopause as well. Yeah. <laughs> in, in terms of the whole idea. Just of, like, what's going to happen to me? Well, well, that sense of what is wrong? What is going on? Oh. 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 That, again, thank you. The human, the mysteries of the human body, my I have my certificate God. now. But what we build up to is that, well, Molly, you learned that just in time for Mrs. Garrett's sex education class that she's teaching all of us. <laughs> and Molly does, um, Molly continues in her vein of being uh, feminist Molly. We had chatty yes. Molly in earlier episodes, but I think they're settling on feminist Molly. Yes. Before they fire her. Yeah. <laughs> but um because I didn't real I didn't know she was in this show. How you, long I didn't realize Molly Bringwald was in this show. Thirteen episodes, then bye bye. They didn't even give her like a character name. They were just like, we're just Molly. gonna keep calling. Yeah, we're gonna call we're you just Molly. Gonna call you Molly. <laughs> we're not even gonna like invest time to yeah. create a character. We, it's like Tony Danza, I think, has in his contract that he cannot do a show where he's not called Tony. Because I think I I seriously think he's just that dumb. But anyway, oh, you didn't hear love, that from me. We love you, Tony. <laughs> So, yeah, because um, she says that. What does she says? I um, um, the government. I'm not going to let the government control my hormones, and that's such a that's a very typically Molly sort of a. I thought it was very. I think it's very poignant to the to the, to the social climate we live in right yeah. now. Yeah, well, that's because Mrs. Garrett's witty retort is, "Well, don't worry, the government can't seem to control much of anything these days." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, okay. how times have changed." Topical. We're back in the eighties. In forty okay. years, times have. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Um, so then, uh, we have. Uh, Natalie does. Uh, Natalie and Tootie come in at that point, don't they? And they, yes. that's when they learn they're going to do the class. And we talk about the class. And then I don't believe anything significant happens until Steve walks in. Steve, I was like, who? <gasps> what is? Who is Thor's little brother walking around this oh, girls' school? Oh my god! He was in the previous episode, 
And so this is only his second episode then? Yeah, no, he's not a regular character. He's only oh. a, yeah, he just made an appearance as a delivery boy in last week's episode. So is he gone now from I would I don't want to He he will appear according to IMDb, he will appear in one more and then never to be heard from again. Oh no. Yeah. I know. I'm like, uh, could we get rid of the girls and build a show around him just yeah. walking around shirtless? Yeah, I'm okay with that. That's a, you know, hey, work for John Schneider. <laughs> um, actually, that wasn't a, it was a, there was a TV movie that John Schneider from the, when he was in his Dukes of Hazard uh-huh. thing, and it was called Dream House, I think, and it was about him building a dream house in a bad neighborhood. Oh. And as a story like that would call for, he was walking around in a towel for probably 40% of this TV movie. I mean, if you got it, flaunt it, and right? I, and I was, and again, I don't know if the government had told me my puberty had kicked in yet. <laughs> but that's when you start figuring out some things. But that's when I was like, I want to watch this movie, and I don't, I don't know, know why. I'm into architecture. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, into <laughs> home, I, I'm into home renovation. That's oh what I'm God. into. So we find out, uh, so, so we meet. So Steve comes in. Hunky Thor Steve, yeah. And he is beautiful, and I don't remember anything that happened after that. I was he, gone. No, I remember. I do remember because it was very awkward. He kisses Blair. Yeah, but he like doesn't kiss her face. They like have this hug, and he's like, "I'm going to kiss you," but then he like kisses her like the back of her head, neck thing. It was like they did not make facial contact. Mm, I, they turned away from the because ca- I I was like, that is a deep neck kiss. That is yeah. not. I think they try to make it look like a face kiss, yeah. but then it was like, nah, I'm going to kiss your neck. I, I don't know. I wonder if that has something to do with the fact that Lisa Welchel really is 16 at this point. Not that in 1980, age or consent had anything. any any footing anywhere. But, she, they, but then she kisses him later on the lips. She so does. She does. So I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, maybe that was just weird camera angles. But I was like, they went in hard, but it was like not like it was like a weird. Yeah. Ang- anyway, I was like. It doesn't matter because he's involved. So he's, he's super hot. Um, but and it was a fake out. He shows up because he's the delivery guy, yes. as he was last week. And there's some interaction. Did he interact with Natalie and Tootie? Yeah. He yeah, he talks with them and then they're like, okay, yes. we got to get off to class. Natalie now. tells a joke where we find out Natalie's kind of in love with him. Yeah. A little and, bit. Which or we she's, knew from last week. Yeah. yeah. And then he's like, he's left alone with Blair and he says, can someone sign for this? So you're kind of like, oh. And then she's like, well, I guess it's going to have to be me. And then they make out. So it's a fake out. We, we yeah. think they don't know each other or we know that they saw each other in passing last mm-hmm. week. We don't know that they've been involved. It's since. full of double entendres. Yeah. I'm going to go on record saying uh, creepy or not. I, I don't care. I think Lisa Welchel might have been braless. I think I could see nipples under this sweater. Well, it was in that it was in that seven it was in that end of seventies early eighties phase, right? The, when you were just when I mean, we we've talked about this before, and there's a, a point later where both Sue Ann and Blair it's after the poker game later Sue Ann and Blair they are wearing those very fashionable of the time those skin tight jeans. Yes, that they leave nothing to the imagination. No. And this well, was the height of Jiggle Television. Yeah. It's when Suzanne Summers was bouncing around yeah. and TV executives loved it. And they thought nothing about, oh, we've got a bunch of teenage Children. girls. Yeah. Put them in short shorts, put them in tank tops, and let them jiggle around. That's, that's hot. Yeah. Well, Steve wasn't really tight jeans, too. So Yeah. 
I mean, yeah, whoever shirt, that t-shirt was like painted on him. <laughs> In the words of Harvey Firestein, some queen pulled a fast one. God <laughs> bless you. Whoever you are. We thank you. Whoever the we from the future. We from the future, thank you. <laughs> uh but the um first oh first night shot. Um we go from the scene of Blair and uh Steve making out weirdly. Steve and Blair she says, don't tell Natalie. I don't want to hurt her feelings. That's a really good, commendable thing. It would have been so easy for the writers to make Blair a big old see you next Tuesday. Yeah. But they've consistently written... Keep her like... Yeah. yeah. Well, again, because Lisa Welchel's a good enough actress that she could pull off the dimensions going on there. Not that all the other girls could, as you could see. So <laughs> that scene ends, and then we go to the next scene, which is at night. This is our first exterior evening shot of the dorm we have never seen an evening shot with the outdoor evening lights on it was it was very nice i liked it i I could i could live there if it was a home yeah last week we got the first shot of the cafeteria not the cafeteria that we would become acquainted with next season okay where the show majorly takes place but we have a dining room a dining room set suddenly appeared whereas in previous sets they were having like commencement speeches and parents nights in that damn living room oh it was like they're like bad. we're just gonna build one set see what happens yeah it's, it's a spinoff and we're still nbc we have no money um so it's a night shot and we come into a poker game i know i love these kids they're playing poker with cookies which i would i, I uh, mean deal yes, me in i would do it totally i really Absolutely. don't know how to play poker but i think i would figure it out you don't eventually. know how to play poker I don't. I, I, it's not that hard. I, you could totally learn. I probably could if if I had an interest. I don't <laughs> know. I do go fish and like solitaire real strong. Wow. But I don't think I can win any cookies with solitaire. I'll just eat yeah. a whole sleeve of Oreos. <laughs> and then play solitaire and then, and then just go to bed. Cry. Exactly. Um, so with this, we come into this poker game. I do have to point out we had uh, episode three, The Return of Mr. Garrett... Uh, was an episode where we had a little problem with Mrs. Garrett's ex-husband, a man with a gambling problem, taught Tootie how to play poker. And Tootie started a money poker gambling thing that was a big... So this is like a result of that. Um, Well, the funny thing is, like is typical, there's no reference to that. It's just that, you know, right down to Tootie had a visor, but she had a real visor in the other episode. This She's got like a paper one with some... Like lights in push, it or something? They were like push pins. Yeah. Like they decorated it. It was clearly a homemade visor, which makes you wonder, well, where did she get the real visor in episode three and what happened to ex-husband it? ex-husband brought it and then he took it away. Mr. Mr. Garrett, you bastard. <laughs> anyway, Mr. Bradley comes in and he refers to um, the poker game. He's like, what, gambling? Oh, like that. Stick and, in the mud, classic stick in the mud. And again, no reference to, well, see to it. Even if there was just a line about see to it that it's only for cookies. We've we've already dealt with this, girls. Yes. Don't forget. That would have been kind of a nice little reference, but oh well. Then Mr. Bradley asks to speak with Mrs. Garrett outside. And now let me let you start telling some of the story. Um, so they come outside and he wants Mrs. Garrett to use this very thick Bible-looking book 
to have the girls read. He doesn't want her to teach sex education. Not, and she goes on saying, well, she's a registered nurse. She, she should be able to teach such things without, you know, any sort of qualms. She has the knowledge. And he thinks it's a big mistake that the school even voted to allow them to teach sex education as a class. And I feel like we get this, I mean, I don't, again, as not someone who is very familiar with this, you start catching on to, oh, excuse you. You start catching on to this, this, uh, I don't know, Miss Garrett's, I think, has got it in for him. Like, not in for him, but like, she like likes him. Like, she keeps making like these, uh, I felt like, my interpretation. She's like making eyes at him. And like, whenever she does the, the double jokes or talking about... He's like, I don't like any of this. And she goes, sex? And then she like looks up and she kind of like licks her lip a little bit. And I was like, oh, Miss Garrett about it. She's like, she's into the head, you know, the headmaster. So I never thought of that. Well, because it has, because it happens in the, like, there's that second scene where he comes back into the classroom or something like that. And there's another moment where she like looks at him and I'm just like, I think Mrs. Do they ever get, I mean, I guess we don't want, I don't want to keep, no, no. is that, no, (laughs) do we not Um, like thinking of Mrs. Garrett that way? Well, because he's gone at the end of the first season as well. Oh. There are seven girls. Yeah. And we lose four of them. We also, we've also lost Miss Mahoney after episode five. We had a female teacher, Miss Mahoney, Uh and they were trying to set up Mr. Bradley and Miss Mahoney as being a potentially romantic thing that they set up early and then uh, within five episodes managed to pretty much abandon it. So maybe so, they were trying to re- maybe re- resurrect them like that? Uh, considering they're supposed to be adversaries, I never... If you saw the way Mrs. Garrett reacts to other people too, that's Charlotte Way's way of mugging, is the... She's tiny, she's five foot tall, so she's always looking up. So she always could bat her eyes... <laughs> But we so have, have got, the conversation. They have the conversation. I have to stop you again. And the, okay. She's a registered nurse. I'm going to say that again. Mrs. Garrett saying to Mr. Bradley, reminding him of her qualifications to teach sex education, reminds him of she is a registered nurse. <sighs> Mrs. Garrett was the housekeeper. On different strokes. She was essentially a live-in maid. So she cleans their fucking toilets. And she's a nurse. And, and she's a registered nurse. Then she leaves that job to be... <laughs> you missed an episode I'm, where she took flying lessons. You missed that she's also... She's an adventurous woman. She's qualified she's to fly a plane. She can fly a plane. She can save and, your life. And now we know she that... She can teach sex ed. And we know that in, episode, in, in season two, season two begins with... The, the relocation of the show to the cafeteria because she has been promoted to the school's dietitian. Okay, sitcoms from the 70s and 80s were so bad about being... Continuity. Continuity and yeah. being cumulative with their characters and their traits. And it's like, I know one of the early episodes in season two is Mrs. Garrett shirking her responsibilities as the dietitian and the girls going, what, what is wrong with her? Why are we having to pick up so much slack? And Mrs. Garrett says, it's because I had to take another job at night and I'm not getting any sleep because some company I used to work for that I was depending on a pension from them, they went bankrupt. So my retirement is now no longer a thing. So she has to take it. And 
of course, we're like, um, what's the season one, episode eight? You told us you were a registered, registered nurse. nurse, like a hospital went out, girl. You're, you're not a receptionist in a doctor's <laughs> office. You can give injections. You can, I mean, uh, they were just, uh, yeah. Well, it's it's just that classic. They they were just as long as it's funny. This episode, yeah, we're good. Well, and we just we need, need to justify. A, we, need, we need a conflict right now, and we need, and then we yeah. can move. Why on. would why would the den mother be the one teaching sex ed and not the female teacher? Other than we fired her after episode five, it would have been Miss. It would have been Miss Mahoney. Yeah, but um. Anyway, so we have to. We I had to say that and point it out. Because that is never. You were like you were just, ready to have an aneurysm. Just like, was like a, a I, I want, give me bring these writers in this room. I will throw down with them because we, we need talk to go about go back and rewrite these episodes. <laughs> get my time machine. Redo um, them. Uh, but during the same, like during the counterpart to this scene, then mm-hmm. um, is then Blair talking with Sue Ann. Sue Ann about what she wants to do with Steve. Down mm-hmm. like next Saturday. They're, they have a date Saturday night. Yeah. And Sue Ann is like, you know, Steve has a rep. He even dates college girls. And then she freaks out. She's like, oh, college girls. Yeah. Um, and I'm gathering that Steve is still in high school. Like he's probably a senior. I That's, yeah, I would imagine so. Because it, it wouldn't be a big deal then if he was dating college girls if he was in college. Yeah. He's and in, it would also be real creepy like if he was a college guy macking on this 16-year-old? 16 yeah. yeah. So he's and they, got and they say he's 18. They, yeah. they clearly say he is 18 years old. So at least he's still in high um, school, so that's not weird. Yeah. Well, um. <laughs> so, there, yeah, and she's like, well, I'll... And, and Blair is just like, no, I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out. We, I got this. And then yeah. we cut to the classroom yeah. where they start having the sex education talk. This sex class. It was so... Wow. Such... So many generalities. <laughs> and... And nice, broad... Quote statements that you could get yeah. put on your wall. You say, oh, girl, sex is a thing and it's a beautiful, beautiful. thing. Um, but I will say there are six or seven extras in this class. We have the problematic issue of, as we've dealt with in the past, what grade is this school? Why do why does I this range? I was looking at it. I was like, we've got like a like a twelve year old and like an eighteen year old in this mm-hmm. one classroom. What is this? It's like a it's like a big red schoolhouse where it's like we're all gonna sit in one room and learn the same thing. We were talking. Was it? I think Michael Wansey said, "Little house in the prairie." Yeah, yeah, I get it. There's not another schoolhouse for a hundred miles, but. Um, uh, yeah, because how old is like how old is Natalie and Tootie supposed to be? Natalie is thirteen, and Tootie is twelve. So they sh- they shouldn't be in the same unless no. it was kind of like this idea that oh well, Mrs. Garrett is going to teach this special class that's not really a class, but you say that this problem always happens, so they're always in the same class. Yeah, and, and they live in the same dorm. Why wouldn't they have separate dorms? Have separate dorms. So why have dorm. we why have we never seen any other twelve? Or, I, and I think. You know what? Molly might even be... Molly has got to be close to Tootie's age. Now, Kim Fields is two years younger than than her character. Uh-huh. Tootie is 12. The actress playing her is 10. So that's why she looks so young. That's why they always have her on roller skates. Oh. To make her look older. But they just wanted her that badly. TV magic. Yeah. And she's... And as I've said a billion times, in I think I've said it every episode so far, she is as good, if not better, than these 16, 17, 18-year-olds. She's holding she, her own. They give her, yeah, they give her some really nice zip lines throughout yeah. the whole episode. Though I do, like, I do want to say, like, I do love that. Like, you're watching them t- tell a joke that you're like, 
not exactly sure if they know what they're saying. <laughs> like, can, they've just been told, say this and <laughs> emphasize the word rich. And you're yeah. just like, you have no idea yeah. what you're saying. But yes. it's still funny because it's coming out of the mouth of a, of a 10 or a 12 year old. Yeah, I can I can see the gears turning sometimes. Yes. You, you can see that. Yeah. Philip Nolan made comment of the fact of how how coached so much of this comedy feels because of the because of their yeah but that's just their age you can't expect the kids to know that it's very true um so that is a problematic thing but they do have extras in the class there were extras at career day a couple of episodes ago so it's been called into question is there another dorm at eastland or is this the only dorm and are these the only students who go there well but there were more girls in this classroom but i was gonna well i was gonna say from the what it looks like from the exterior shot it doesn't look like it's a big school so maybe it's a very like private school where it's a very small oh i mean and i'm sure it is but you know a small school has a hundred kids in it. You yeah, know, that's, that's a that's true. a small school, not yeah. seven. <laughs> seven. It's very exclusive. Yeah, it's it's that exclusive. It's very exclusive for precocious <laughs> kids. So here's the other issue: if Tootie is twelve, and the most of the girls, it's like most of these girls have gone through through puberty, puberty. already. They're like it, it's not like end you, you can't two. say to. To, to Blair and Sue Ann, someday you're going to menstruate. It's like, no, <laughs> no they're already, already They already went through this. It. They're starting and they're, yeah. They are bleeding as we watch them sit in that classroom. Oh, wow. That was... Wow. Graphic. But speaking of uh, such, I was uh, I was actually impressed by the, the raciness of some of the things that they said in the episode. I don't know. I just thought it was um when again we were talking about feminist Molly. She said, what does she say? Okay. Oh, oh, I don't like a system where men teach me what to do. I'd like to teach men. I'd like to teach him a few things. things. Yeah. Yes. And I was like, okay, yes. okay, 80s TV show coming back, yeah. coming back. Um but I just thought it was like I I think about the things that they talk about and the openness of how they do talk about sex and even um Mrs. Garrett says um you know, they got to, I think she says it earlier. She's like, they have to, nobody's teaching them anything. Their parents don't want to teach them. Somebody has to teach them how to, about this. This is an yeah. important thing. And um, I think it's, we live in a very interesting society right now where uh, a lot, we've opened up a lot of doors about sexuality, but I think people are still afraid to broach the subject in a, in a public manner, in like in a serious tone, like in a really yeah. having a, a conversation about it. Yeah. Um, and not just be like, we love sex, ah, but like talking about like, what does this mean if this person likes this? And what is it? People don't want to hear that. They don't want to, they, and so the fact that they just took the time in this episode to talk about it, I thought yeah. was very, especially for that time. I don't know. It just felt like I was like, I feel like we wouldn't see a similar conversation on TV now, it'd be they would have they would have buffered it to make sure they wouldn't have offended some people, and I felt like this was just very like here you go. Mm-hmm. That was just my thought. Um, yeah, I, I will say. See, to me, the the thing about this that I think kind of dates it a little bit is that sex, the definition of sex is still this general thing that they're talking about, but they're not. They don't go into specifics. They don't yeah. go into specifics. It just has to do with boys. It's. It's the age-old thing. There was a great comedian in the late 50s named Rusty Warren. And she was the one who introduced... You probably heard about it from me. She's the one that introduced the party records, the idea of the adult comedy party records that you don't play for the kids. 
And she was like a nightclub piano lounge singer, but all she talked about was sex. But it was all term- terminology of, you know, doing it. Oh, yeah, we love to do it, and the men love to do it. It's that type of humor where sex is still this nebulous Kind of glazed it. over, yeah. It's it, as opposed to it being, you know, mechanical about the physicality and then the accompanying emotional yeah. things and and the societal things that are telling everybody to, to do, do this thing that you don't quite understand. But I feel like she I feel like they do they do glaze over like the technical aspect of it, but mm-hmm. then I think they go over We do know there's a movie coming up. We know there's a movie coming up. She takes the time, like you said that those dramatic moments that she taught like there were like that was something that struck me in the show like all of a sudden like, we'd have like, these serious moments just thrown in mm-hmm. and she talks about like self-worth and self-esteem bingo she writes self-esteem on the blackboard i was going to build up that, to this yeah yes. and that was like i was like okay so that's really what it is like we're not going to really talk about how sex works and what it can kind of do to you but we're going to talk about the importance of how you feel about it and when you're ready. Because the quick that question comes up, I think Tootie asks it, and she goes, or was it Na- or Natalie? It's Natalie. Natalie says, says, when do I cave in? When do I cave? Yeah. And she's like, what do you mean cave in? She you goes, know, like, when do up, I yeah. stop saying no? When do I? And what is that? Who's that random girl in the in the back? The long dark hair that goes. She says she talks about her boyfriend. Oh, Roger, that's Nancy. Nancy, yeah. yeah. And she's like, I was like, what is up with Nancy? Like, I was, she's the, apparently her and her boy are yeah. doing like, like having yeah, sex she all says, the time. Yeah, she says, when do I stop saying no? And Nancy says, after he keeps after you and finally wears you down, kind of a thing. It's like Im- a really implying like- that that she fu- that implying that she and Roger have been fucking just because he's been getting after her too much. And that- I was like, oh, shouldn't anybody, Miss Garrett, like, shouldn't you like stop the class like, and be like, okay, class, I'm going to take yeah. Nancy outside and but, we're going to go. But the girls to- all turn to her and she goes, yeah. I don't mean me. I don't. Uh, she she says. She talks about it in the abstract until he wears you down and you just get tired of it. And the girls all look at Nancy and she's like, I don't mean Roger. That's not who I'm talking about. And by the way. <coughs> so meaning she's. And and Roger is Nancy's boyfriend that we never meet. We only hear her talk about him. She's on the phone with him. Oh, we never. I don't believe we, we ever meet Roger. We couldn't afford another cast member. Bam. <laughs> We're going to put a wig on Steve and call him Roger. But but I like that she talked about like this this self worth and she does the thing about like the, with the poker she goes back to they use the poker game as a reference yeah which was nice <clears throat> about which your chips was and yeah your, like you remember don't like, play them all and gamble and as lose a gambler your chips. when you don't know the game at first you don't want to go in big and lose all your chips because you can't get them back and yeah. so she kind of relates it to your self esteem and your self worth like especially when you're dealing with things like sex like don't just like bet it all. And lose it because that's done. You don't. You don't. You don't really get that back. You mm-hmm. need to. You know, start start slow and bet low, and then figure it out from there. And I was like, that's a really nice like analogy. I think about just anything. Yeah, <laughs> really. Well, and the fact that it's it doesn't do it, it kind of alludes to virginity. Yeah, but not directly in yeah. terms of it's the, a good thing that the show does not do is say, your virginity is precious. You have to preserve it. Do You know, it yeah. is important that you stay pure for the man you marry. This show, this is sort of a um, precursor of things to come as far as being a show about, 
you know, growing up mm-hmm. during the times that they were growing up. And yeah. this was, you know, we're a, a decade. I mean, the sexual revolution technically started in 1960 with the yeah. pill. Um, and then, you know, we're 10 years after Woodstock and free love and the hippies and all that stuff. And it's everywhere. So the fact that they established there's in this scene, there's one comedic element of Mr. Bradley coming in. And trying to kind of supervise and oversee and them Awkwardly frequently saying, well, what's him down? a yeah. man's point of view? You know, what's the man's Blair, point yeah, of view? Yeah, Blair keeps throwing it to like, well, you know, we talk about, well, the men are supposed to get all the experience so they can teach the women and da-da-da. And Blair goes, well, what about you, Mr. Brandon? And they all look yeah. at him. And it's just that great, like... Like that slow pan burn to him, and he just like <laughs> sitting in the chair uncomfortably, like twitching. And yeah, and then he eventually leaves. It's they they do a beautiful job at collectively making him uncomfortable. And I'm gonna say it: uh, the pilot episode positions Miss Mahoney as the traditionalist, and Mister Bradley as the progressive educator. And when Miss Mahoney sort of kind drifts of away, he, he has the... now become. The yeah, because I was going to say he feels very traditional. He no. feels very. He feels very. He feels very. By he the has b- a very disturbing line later that we're going to bring up. Oh, um, but the deal is, the the good thing about this thing is we've got this sort of banter back and forth between Sue Ann and Blair. Sue Ann is saying, "I'm saving it for marriage," yes, and then Blair is kind of belittling her for being too precious about her virginity, but then Sue Ann would bat it back about, well, you don't want to be a whore yeah. at the same time. And that is kind of a valid thing. And at no point does Mrs. Garrett step in and say, one of you is right and one of you is wrong. She allows, yeah, she allows it to happen, which, and that's the kind of, it was kind of nice to let them like learn it themselves or kind of like just have that conversation happen without pointing a finger of your opinion is right and your yeah. opinion is wrong. And, and even more I think they have more meaning coming from teenage girls because they are of the age when you know I mean 16 16 17 that's kind of the age that girls I gather typically I wouldn't know I, I, mean, I wouldn't either <laughs> <laughs> I had I had nothing to do with them no I mean no. they're nice they're like <clears throat> they make you know we can go bake nice. and shop together <laughs> but um um, yeah. But it, like, and I, she brought up the, she's like the, I'm going to wait until marriage. And that was the whole, oh, that was one of the other sticking points of like waiting till marriage. And like, how are you supposed to know if you don't try it? She, she, I think Blair says it like, try yeah, out how the, are you supposed to know if you, you don't, don't try, try it? the merchandise basically like, or try something out the like merchandise. that. And I love it because I was like, I thought back to like when I used to teach uh, abstinence till marriage for the county. Yeah. I did not know that about I you. D- I know, right? Learning things. <laughs> wow. Uh, up in the Panhandle, I, like it was a five-county program, and I taught, like I helped develop programs and like this and that. And so I just thought, it's, I, I look back at that time, and I'm like, I, you know, I can see both both points of Blair and, and was Sue, is it Sue Ellen? Sue Ellen. Like, I, I Sue Ann. Sue Ann. Sue Ellen. Yeah. Um, and so I'm like, no, I can't. Now as, as, as an adult... I can but, see both points. But as a kid, like, at that time, I was a teenager, like, teaching teenagers. So it was a really weird thing. But, like, it's, yeah. it's a, I feel like you have to, when you're younger, sometimes I feel like you have to be, you know, you talk about teaching kids, like, white lies or, like, little things like mm-hmm. that, little white lies. Um, you know, you have to kind of be black and white about things because you don't, 
you don't have the maturity level or the experience yet to be able to navigate the gray areas. Yeah. Um, so going back to what you were saying about the fact that Mrs. Garrett doesn't kind of like step in and say one of you is right, one of you is wrong, because it's yeah. kind of like, well, you're both right and you're both kind of wrong. It's a yeah. weird gray area, and but, so but it's that's just it. like but it's a, pers- that thing is it's personalized. It's yeah. one of those if you, you know, even though we can't really say. You know, we can say if you want to wait till marriage, lovely. It's not appropriate to say if everyone you wanna, needs to. If you want to have sex now, as a teenager, go ahead. I mean, yeah. that's weird. And it's interesting because, to my way of thinking, it's the pendulum is swung the other way. I think some any. I think waiting until you're married, waiting until marriage to have sex, I think is beyond ridiculous. Yeah. Why in the world are you saving it up for? And again, not so much a Blair, you know, well, trying the merchandise. Well, you're the you're <laughs> the comparison shopper, Blair. And but my big thing is like, you know, we, we still have a very I, I listen to Dan Savage's podcast, mm-hmm. the Savage Lovecast. I love his podcast. And the thing he talks about is how we still are a very sex negative culture. Yeah. And the thing is so many people call in and say, I love my husband. We have a great relationship. I love my spouse, mm-hmm. men and women. Think, but we have this sex thing. And it's always been a problem. She was never into this. He was never into that. And and the whole thing is how frequently he has to say, I am giving you permission to prioritize your sexual needs and to prioritize your sexual compatibility in your relationship. Our sex-negative culture says you're not supposed to make sex the most important thing in your marriage. It's supposed to be for procreation and nothing else. It's yeah. not for pleasure. So people think, well, I want more things sexually from my partner, but I don't feel comfortable asking for mm-hmm. them. And you know, and the problem is that it's like, no, it's sexual compatibility is as important, important. a component yes. as other compatibilities in your relationship. And our sex-negative culture needs to get in tune with that yeah. and accept that. Well, it doesn't have to be like it doesn't have to be the most important, but no, no, it no. should be in like the top, you know, like three it, or four. But so many people it's put it last. Last, yeah. So yeah, many no. people put it last because of the stigma in in our culture of you know if you're if you in any way emphasize sex, you're a pervert. I mean, that's what you know. Our most of our stuff tells you to that is it's the way yeah it is. It's, it's meant to it's not meant for to be publicly talked about it's not meant to be discussed and especially it should be something that's openly discussed with your with your partner and and the problem is that our sex negative culture doesn't give us the tools to be able to have those conversations that's i think what we dis- you discover a lot listening to these podcasts mm-hmm. where that subject comes up is that it's people don't know how to bring it up yeah. To their partner. And another another Dan Savage thing is he's like, you know, when the time comes with your partner and you want to lay your kink cards on the table, he's always like, lay them out there. And he says, and do not wince. Do not lay them out and then cover like your apologize. eyes. Yeah, it's don't like apologize, yeah. It's like apologize or act like it's something bad or negative or whatever. Yeah. He's like, no, you need to accept them. You need to dig your heels in and say, this is what I'm into. And if your partner is interested, sure. You know, you can explore things together, or if there's no interest and there's a deal breaker, great. You haven't wasted any time yeah. through non-communication. It's like, you know, these are the things it would be lovely that could have been discussed in 1980. 
but, with a bunch yes. of high school girls. But it's not going. But then you have the flip side to it. I think where uh, before we move on because we're in the serious moment, but no, we need to get it, out of the it. serious moment now. Sex um, talk sex with David talk. and Alex. Like, uh-huh. uh, but it's so interesting to me because then you have these um, dating, and I use dating loosely. You have these hookups apps mm-hmm. then that are the complete opposite where it's like it's literally like lay out your cards immediately and you're like yeah. this 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 yeah. and if you're like checklist checklist check 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 okay let's go it's the complete it's like so we've created this like um subverse uh culture community where it's like okay we can't talk about it publicly but here on our phones we can literally say the most disgusting things oh, and yeah, talk yeah. and like we can go like yeah i like using produce or let's do it outside in the pool with the dogs watching and people can be <laughs> like i'm totally into that and then but then you couldn't you can't you can't talk about it. you can you you then they show up and it happens and you do it and then you go but you couldn't like I think it stops people from able again, like you were saying, like and like in like you were saying, Savage talks about like having that conversation face to face. It's it, it's it allows people to talk about it, but it still is kind of like almost like a barrier where you're not you're still not getting to talk about it face to face, which mm-hmm. is different. Yeah, it's agreed. different, and it's it's like when you start talking online to somebody and you you say these things that you wouldn't necessarily say in person. It's still that fear of even though we're like letting it out we're still creating like this thing of like, well, we can't, we can't really talk about it in person. We'll do it in person. We'll do it. And then you can oh. go away and come back. Do you know what I mean? Like, this is inter- I don't, I, I'm not on any of those apps. There's I'm no, like, I'm like, I might be, I mean, like, I mean, <laughs> like, I might be like on one or five I am, of them. I'm not on them for, for <laughs> many, for, for many reasons of neurosis and insecurity, et cetera. But, um, no, but I, but you like you you deal with that it. you do that conversation you do that you do that you do that like you do that pre check like like a freaking like loan check before like okay can we, you satisfy this this and this and this all right come on over and then when she's coming over you do the things and you go you don't have the conversation I feel like face to face you get that all done mm-hmm. with that transaction done with and then it happens and then it it does it still breaks it it still creates that wall not I don't think it's apologetic but it's like. You're like, okay, I'm going to do it here because it's safe to say it this way. You say it this way. It matches good. We're done. We do it. It's over. And and you think people lay their kink card. Clearly, you know, the, the hookup apps is a place where one can lay their kink cards yeah. out in the open. But you're thinking that people doing that, if they're also in a in a relationship with somebody, you think that they would not feel at liberty to do the same thing? I think so. I think the safety of a, of a screen or like allows people to be somebody different. Mm-hmm. You can like build up something on a, you're on your phone or your computer and then to lead up to the personal connection that you've dealt, you've, you've dealt with the, you've dealt with these things in a kind of impersonal way so that you can get to the things that you need to deal with personally. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like, yeah, I feel like some people can be real freaks on the phone and then you get to them face to face and it's like, so we're going to do the thing, right? And you're what? like, yes, you're going to put that there and I'm going to put this there. And like, and, there, and it becomes like a, we've already discussed this. Let's just do it sort of thing. Oh. Yeah. So I think, it's, I think there's still like a, I think like somebody, if they were in a relationship, they could talk to somebody on a phone. That's why I think where role playing comes into mind. Like when you, when you do, when people start doing role playing, it's like, I'm not myself. I'm behind something. Gotcha. And then I, so now I can, now I can be dirty with you. Now I can be like, let's try that thing you know, mm. with the vibrator. But I think 
until they have that on, until they have that mask on, until they have that screen in front of, you know, hmm. blocking them, I think sometimes people can't lay those those free cards out. Fascinating. There you go. Not, um, again, something I'm not privy to or exposed to. It took me a long time to not attach uh, a sort of dirtiness, a, a salacious underground type of a vibe to the hookup apps. Mm-hmm. And again, another Dan Savage thing is that he talks about how gay bars everywhere are closing down because there's not as much business because they're the hookup apps now. Because yeah. that's what people used to do when they just wanted to just meet somebody and have sex with them. And that's all they were looking for. They would go to a bar. They'd go to a club, find somebody, connect with them, go home and do it. And he said, so we have evolved to the point that the hookup apps being on the hookup apps is the equivalent of walking into the bar. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. And the same way you would scan the room and say, okay, <laughs> not into this. I'm into that. Yeah. I think he's cute. I think he's not cute. That's the same way as you're swiping left and right. Yeah. And, you know, so it's taken me a while to kind of make that connection and go, oh, okay. Um, and, and, and that's not why I never did the hookup apps and I still haven't. I, I've not ever done them because I was never good at walking into the bar and hooking up with people. That's not the way I was. Yeah. I, that's not the way I'm built. I was never into that. So the hookup apps is just the next generation of this thing I never could relate to. And there's a little part of me that's like, wow, I kind of wish I could do that. That'd be fun. But, you know, there are so many other things going on in my brain. Yeah. So many other anxiety and it also things. Gets, it, yeah. And also gets, I'm not going to lie. Like, it's fun, but it's also exhausting. It's it's like at some point you're just like, no, I'm not going to do it. Like, you get to the point where you're like, no, I'd rather go to the bar and just talk. Yeah. I'd we have, just, and just go we, talk to somebody face to face and have a drink and then be like, because there is a point, there is a point where you're kind of just like, no, I just don't, I, you get to the point where like, wait a minute, I would actually like to have a conversation. And that, I guess that becomes when your, your needs change and you're looking maybe for something a little more serious than just a hookup. But even then it's, there is something about just like looking at that screen and being like, okay, swipe, look, check the profile. Okay. You into pics that are good. It, because it becomes such a, tr- it doesn't become, it becomes there, so. There seems un- to be a, 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 an assembly line kind of a. Yeah. Well, it becomes so, it's a transaction. It's like a serious, oh. it becomes a transaction more than like, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A discussion or like a just uh, it's a connection. Just, yeah, it's not a connection. It's a transaction. Oh, that's what. And so I, I get bored. I, I get a little tired of that because it does become just a, a checklist, checklist. And then, OK, our checklist mass match. Let's go. And so the it's like a complete and utter cutoff of any sort of like personality or, or connection. Human, human connection. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I, I talk about this in therapy is that I've always been better at just meeting people face to face at a party when doing a show with somebody. Yeah. That's always the way I've connected with people that I've dated. I've, I've never, I think once in my life I went to a bar and I took the person home. And that was only because they were there with friends of friends. Like yeah. there was still a connection of people I knew this person. And so so there was like a safety still. Like yeah, sa- they, yeah. I've, I've never had sex with a total stranger. And Damn. I cannot perceive myself ever feeling safe or comfortable doing that. And I'm and I'm okay with that. I really am. Yeah. I I don't have a sense I don't of think, yeah, I don't think there's missing be sh- out. a shame or a, there should be like, I'm, I definitely don't want to feel like anybody 
that I'm saying that. Like, I don't think anybody should be ashamed if they use the apps. Yeah, no. Or if they don't, or they yeah. don't feel like that's like you, again, it's your prerogative. It's your free flag. It's it, your exactly. Thing. And my my not using them is not a judgment on the people who yeah. do. And it's you know, and and I will admit, I do look at it with an intense fascination because it's something that my brain just doesn't connect to. That's no. just not the way I'm built. But back to Tootie and back. Natalie. <laughs> I was like, we let's get away from thirty minutes modern tangent. Yeah, back yeah. into the okay. David's, so the classroom David's scene happens. Middle age sex talk. The, the classroom scene happens, and then it's the cut to the the van, isn't it? It's the yes, next the thing classroom. Is. The classroom scene ends with Blair asking Sue Ann to sign her in after curfew. Meaning, yes. I want to stay out after curfew. Will you cover me? Oh yeah, that's right. There's like a I'm little, there. there's a little interlude scene where Tootie comes up and basically says, uh, "Blair, you Jezebel, you a hoe. Yeah. You took oh, away. Oh. Uh, yeah. You you stole the, Steve away from Natalie." Talking about the middle-aged writers of this show trying to write for young girls. Yeah. She Having says Jezebel. Tootie says Jezebel. Yes, because I know a lot of 12-year-olds who use that word. Yeah. And I promise you, I was, uh, in 1980, I was 11. I did not know who the fuck <laughs> Jezebel was. That had no meaning she sold, whatsoever. She sold ice cream down at the store. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we have that little, that scene first, and then, of course, Blair plays innocent when Natalie comes in, and Natalie's like, oh, you're going by, and they, she doesn't know really what's happening. Yeah, so Blair thinks that Natalie is still in the dark, that Natalie yeah. still thinks that her flirtation with Steve might get her somewhere, and so she's still trying to, in a good sense, she's still trying to protect Natalie. Protect Natalie, yes. And another good thing is that we've got Blair and Sue Ann interacting again, and even for the volley session that we had in the class... They are still friendly. Friends, they're on yeah. friendly terms. They're they're jabbing at each other in a friendly. Their their relationship is not adversarial, and I thought that was refreshing. It was like is watching it? two gay men. I wonder <laughs> wonder if gay men wrote this. Um, Did they, so, do we know anything about the writers? Um, I I could look it up, but, but to would, do that would mean to make an effort. No, yeah, we don't want to do that. And no, 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 that's effort not happening. Not, that, um, that's Alex, so not in. we we skipped the commercial break. Where we were talking about the Jezebel, we skipped over the commercial. And the commercial break is usually where I start talking to my guest about themselves. Oh. Not that I'm sure you can reveal much more about yourself personally. <laughs> You've learned so much about me. <laughs> so um, let's talk a bit about your career as far as I know you as an oh. actor, performer, writer, director. And um, so let's let, give me the quick McDonald's tour bio for for the sake of my twos of listeners, so that uh, just the, just the quick lowdown of uh, where you were born, where you're okay. educated, how you got into acting, and what brought you to Orlando. Okay, uh, born in Chicago, uh, lived there till I was about eight or nine. Then we moved to um, South Florida. My family, um, my mom had remarried, and so we we moved down, and then we moved to the Panhandle where we built a house, um, and then. I went to school in Gainesville, University of Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I went and I, I auditioned and I got into the BFA program. So I, I was a BFA actor. Um, after I, uh, I didn't I apparently didn't tell my family. They learned from a program of a show they came and saw that I was becoming a theater major, and I Don't. was like, "Oh, I thought I, I thought I told you." Um, <laughs> and so, Oops. oopsies. Um, so I got my degree from there. Lived there for a few more years after I graduated. I was a company manager at the Hippodrome uh, Theater. Uh, did a few shows there. And then, excuse me, I had, uh, I was going to either move to Orlando, 
because oh excuse me the fresca is coming up um (laughs) fresca Uh, fresca. uh, i was gonna either move to orlando because i had some friends here um and there was a theme parks or i was gonna move back up to chicago and just try and i was like submitting and and as you quickly learn you're like well to get a job in chicago you have to be in chicago sort of same thing with new york so Mm -hmm. then i just kept auditioning for things here in orlando because it was closer uh, I got a job with SeaWorld um, doing Polar Express. I was friends with the man in the red suit. And mm-hmm. then I just uh, started working for Nickelodeon Resort. I did improv there and um, hosted and things like that. Uh, then I got quickly got into Universal, friends with like Dr. Doom. Um, I do lots of stuff there now. And then you got me working at Sleuth's. Mm-hmm. Sleuth's Mystery Dinner Theater. I On always International plug it. Drive, right when- next to the big wheel. Right next to the Orlando Eye. Uh, I'm sorry, the Coca-Cola Orlando Eye. Coca-Cola. Come and look at co- uh, come and look at the cow farms and the tops of dirty buildings. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, what? Oh, they changed sponsors. The Krispy Kreme Orlando Eye. I'd go on that like that. <laughs> <laughs> Every ride around gets a, uh, a dozen donuts. Yeah, I'm sorry. What we changed sponsors? The KY <laughs> Jelly Orlando Eye. <laughs> Still go on it. Um, <laughs> Even better. The ride is so smooth. <laughs> Ooh. Um, so, so, and uh, then, so yeah. So then, I and, just, and other theme parks. Yeah, I've worked for um, yeah. for Disney. I've literally worked for everybody. Anybody who yeah. wants to give me a paycheck, I will come and work for you. Yeah. Speaking of uh, whores. Yeah. Yes. Speaking of uh, slut shaming. Slut shaming. Uh, yeah. You can't slut shame an actor yeah, in no, Orlando. A way. No fucking um, way. Apparently, I've I have found out recently that the the um, the new thing is is. Um, oh, Alex got a new job. Does he really need it? Um, um, yeah. I was like, I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I just was like job security. Um, but I and but I just love doing this. So that's why it's, I'm kind of like in that. You get trained as as an actor. Like you see an audition. It's your job to audition. Go to audition. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go to. You don't have to take every job. Obviously, but um, but I've also now worked for Orlando Shakes, and um, we did shows at Mad Cow, and I've done shows at the Garden. And you've written, produced, directed, performed I at, have. The at the Orlando Fringe. Fringe Festival. You've done several shows at Fringe. I One have. that we did together yeah. in twenty. Eunice and Ernie. Twenty twelve. Eunice and Ernie's yeah. story time, time for grown ups. That was a good one. That was fun. Uh, that for something we adapted from Renaissance fairs I used to do. And I just came back from the Melbourne Fringe Festival. That's right. You just did a show. Yeah. You were in Australia. I was in Australia. I, can't, I, I cannot do an Australian accent to save my life. <laughs> Thank God I didn't have to do one. Just don't, um, don't say crikey, mate. No, or, I'm not going to do or that. Or grill shrimp on the barbie. They and, don't say that. Yeah, Apparently they don't, they so, don't do that. That's so done. So um, it, but um, I went over with a show that was here in Orlando at the Orlando Fringe called Fuck Boys. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we're led to in the show to believe is most, if not all men, who are basically the whole point of men are just trying to get into women's pants. Oh. Yeah. So a fuck boy is a guy who's just trying to fuck. He's oh, just trying. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then we find out that maybe they're not all fuck boys. Oh, jeez. <laughs> It came. It comes at a really good time of this of kind of like woman empowerment of, of just too. like yeah, just like don't take shit. Like be your own, you know, be your be, own woman. You know what? Be Molly. Be Molly. Be Molly. Be Molly Ringwald in Facts of if, Life. So yeah, and that brings us to here where you and I are among many actors who float throughout the theme park dinner theater. Yeah, circuits. Circuit. Just making it work. And, and just making it work, keeping our employment portfolios diversified. Yeah, the hustle game. 
Yeah, and it's that's what life is here. And and Orlando, you can make a living doing that. You really can. You, and you it, actually can. You, and what's really great is that you're. I'm not. Yeah. I you know I've I have I've had a few friends who've gone up. Several friends who've gone up to New York and have kind of have kind of had to let go or put on hold the, you know, the dream of, of acting because their, their temp job has become their real job and mm. that, that's how they survive. And, yeah. you know, they can't really audition for things. And that happens I, in LA yeah, and all the so time. I've got friends there. Yeah. What I've lost and, you know, and not to disparage that cause it's, you know, go again, do what you need to do. Yeah. But what I've, I've loved about Orlando is I still do professional regional theater. I am an equity actor. Mm-hmm. I've done, commercials i've done you know and, and i i i'm writing i'm directing i'm acting performing do I, every day like that yeah. is my life that is my what i put on my tax taxes is under occupation is actor, actor. yeah and, and that's that every vi- year isn't yeah. that cool and, don't yeah. you look at that and go that's the cool. first time i got to do that i was like oh yeah and i get to do it in orlando and i think a lot of people yeah. think oh it's just theme parks and i was like no i no. the amount of actual art that i do no. here is very large too Theme parks is the day job. Is the is, it pays the yeah. bills? It gives me my insurance, but it's still I'm still getting to work on my craft, work on my art, and it allows me to work on bigger art, be, you know, more in depth craft and yeah. stuff like that. So, yeah. and and the thing is, I worked a I worked a corporate job until I was like forty. Like I've only been doing acting full time professionally for ten years. I was always performing, but it wasn't until I was like 40 or 41 when I'm filling out my tax return and saying I'm an actor. But the deal is when I made the leap, when I was like, Oh God, can I do this full time? Uh, The sense was, Oh, and if it doesn't work, I can go back and get a day job and I will go back to the life I had before Mm -hmm. where I was always performing and acting. There were always opportunities, some paid, some not Uh, sleuths dinner theater is the best second job. In the world, I love it. It is I the get to, best. I get to be a sassy woman. <laughs> we we have we have been in drag how many times? So many times. We get to be in drag and play so, so many, many great roles at Sleuths. So much eyeliner. But it's like part of me was just like, oh, if this doesn't work, I can just go back to another corporate job mm-hmm. and do that. You know, it's I like my life better now. Yes, I I lament the security in long term stability, but at the same time, that security and long term stability. In my corporate job, that's what made me stay at the same place for 16 years, mm-hmm. where I probably should have left about seven or eight before I actually did. So, um, so back to yeah. that theme. Follow your dreams, ladies and gentlemen. Follow your dreams. Put, lay down your king cards and follow your, follow your dreams. Lay down. And, <laughs> and um, uh, don't let anybody be dismissive of theme park actors. Yes. Oh my God! Please don't. Do not. Actors are actors, and theme park actors may not be on Broadway, but they still have the same skill set, and they have to do it in, s- in such different <laughs> trying conditions. Yeah, that that we're able to create anything artistic is a miracle on many many days. Yeah, my face melts off on a regular basis. Yeah, so. I can I can see. Um, you see, that was like that was like Blair and Sue Ann. That was, was friendly I, banter. It was friendly banter. Friendly insults and we'll between still be friends, friends afterwards. <laughs> so now we move on to Steve and his uh, his van, also known as the Love Machine. And what I love, the the headmaster called it later on the portable 
passion pit. Portable passion pit. <laughs> like, Beautiful Ooh. alliteration, Mr. Bradley. Who doesn't love alliteration? I love alliteration. Mm-hmm. And the first thing he does to set the mood, you heard me cry out you with joy. You laughed, and, I, and it almost felt like what was really funny is like it was of the time... But the so way that they did it, perfect. the way that they did it made it feel like it was something that was in the present making fun of that time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They made it such a big deal. He put the, I can't, okay, you're, you're going to, don't, please don't hit me. Is it an, it's an A track or an eight track? I've always been never sure when I say it. This in my hand, because we're in my office, I have a vintage eight track eight, tape like player. the number eight, eight track. track tape i was player. never sure if it was so anyway so steve puts it in puts it in puts the eight puts the eight track the eight track he puts the eight track no and you're right that there is there is a sense of you know it's it's like, like a larry wink. it's like larry on three's company turning the lights down and putting on a record it's the same thing there was yeah. a sense of i'm doing this to set the mood yes so there was, you're right comedic- there was a comedic component to the way he did it yes but i just screamed because i was like that's an <laughs> that's real life right there. That's my childhood, sadly. I'm that old. Um, so they're eating food. This is Stephen Blair now. Yeah. And then he that's offers trying. to show her the back of the van. Yes. Which she is kind of like, oh, okay. And she's like, uh, well, no, initially she's like, the back? Like, it's there's a lot of mixed shit going on in this scene. Yes. And throughout the rest of the episode. So Steve's like, "Come, let's come to the back of the van. And, and so he, Blair shows hesitation. Has, but... Interest, but interest. Yes, and then he brings her back. But there. first, he does this very dramatic ripoff of his jacket. Yeah, to, to show r- us his body. To show, I mean, like it is like he's and he just like stand like that, like kneels there when the tight painted on T-shirt again. You're just like, uh huh. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Thank yeah. you. And the audience gives a woo kind of a thing. God bless him. Thank you. Um. So then he. Makes her close her eyes and, as a surprise, puts one of his wrestling medals around her neck. And it's gold tone. Gold tone. Gold tone. And they try to make a running gag of him holding the medal and then letting it drop and thud into her sternum. Yeah. Does not land. They do it twice. Yeah. Neither time is it really funny. Because it's supposed to be heavy. Because she talks about, she like picks it up and it's kind of sharp and it's supposed to be very awkward. And Yeah, it is. It's a little bit like... Oh, Steve, just smile and take your shirt off. Yeah, exactly. Don't try any comedic um, bits, please. So he talks about he wants to, he, he won this medal because he's good at wrestling. He, he pinned, yeah, he, he, like, he, he beat his hundredth opponent. Yeah, that was his hundredth, exactly. So it's a very fancy, like it's a very big thing and he wants her to have it. And he it. wants her to have it. He's talking about being a coach and laying out some long range plans and... Blair is really thrown off by this. Yeah. And doesn't he say, I'm going to be graduating in two more years? Is that what he says? Why does... So I have I have two more years. Oh, no. Blair says, I'm not... She... Gra- she's yeah, like, that's I don't, what it is. Yeah, she says... So I, we have established that. here that Blair is a sophomore. Yes. She does not graduate for three more seasons. Again, going on record saying. <laughs> it takes her three more years to get out of high school. It's got that extra um, year to pad it. But the deal is... Uh, he starts talking about long-range plans, and he says, I want you to be my girl. I want to go steady. Yes. And Blair is the one being elusive and clearly she's wanting like, no, to play got, the field. She's like, I've got dances coming up, and I'm going to the, I'm going to a summer. A dude ranch? A dude ranch. I was like, Blair a many Blair, Tootie called her out. She I is know. a Jezebel. How many, like, how many dudes at that ranch, What girl? are you oh, doing, Blair? Oh, a lot of Blair, dudes. Blair, please. <laughs> 
So he says a very uh, a very weird term. He says, Blair, it sounds like you're giving me the polite runaround. Which that's of course, a weird. That's like well, it also that's again. It's like Tootie saying Jezebel. You don't expect Steve to say polite no, runaround. That's not character appropriate yes. dialogue. Writers. Um, <laughs> so um, basically, it's weird because he's the one that has been positioned as the player, the one that's been the one that's experienced. And Blair, you're you're flirting with danger by going with him, and he's the one. Kind of being really sweet and nice, very like appropriate, very yeah, uh, and and respectful, and then and she keeps pushing him, and kind like, of pushing, but pushing him away, saying trying to kiss him, being like, let's just have some fun. Yeah, Blair is Blair just wants to play the field. I don't think she's saying let's fuck. Yeah, I'm thinking she, she just, just wants to make out with him. Yeah, and maybe she doesn't want to. Yeah, and she doesn't want to second be, base. Yeah. but you know, I I don't gather. That she is wanting him right, to penetrate right, her. Wait, yeah, waiting to give it up. But it does yeah. that. It does end very oddly because she keeps again like trying like let's just like kiss, let's whatever. And then he goes, fine, if this is what you want. And then he like pins her Throws down. Her down. And he goes, if this is what you want. And then you hear her go, Steve, no, 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 stop. And they pan out from outside of the van, and, and then they like, cut. And then it's next scene, and you're like, and Blair's being raped. Thank you. What's next? What's happening? And next? I, I was like. It was again. You were like, "Wait a minute! What just happened?" It was. It was a cliffhanger in a time when rape was not in our national vocabulary. So um, I was just like, "Are but, you?" But we will pr- prepare okay, our sorry. listeners that a rape does not happen. Yes, but a rape is alluded to as a possibility, and that is very disturbing. It is well because it's just like this. It, it plays into that weird like. Well, boys will be boys, but then she does literally, like, egg him on. It was, like, a weird... It was a really weird mixed mess. I didn't like it. It was... I didn't like where put anybody... It didn't... I don't like how it made me feel. I was was, just like, this is not appropriate in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, it's just... It's... It is interesting, like I said, that they've, they've portrayed him as a player. The fact that he wants to get serious... And Blair doesn't. Well, we'll, we'll get back to okay, this. Okay. I want to get back to this. Okay. Um, so then we go back to the dorm. Yes. Mr. Bradley comes in and he says, see, Mrs. Garrett, this is why you shouldn't be teaching class. We shouldn't be putting even putting the idea of sex in these girls' minds because... Um, the police have been called. Because the police, he got a call from the police that... Blair had gotten, they had gotten picked up. Blair was with a boy in a van. They got yeah. picked up and they were on their way to dropping her back off. Yes. So uh, no charges were filed or whatever. So again, they're they're talking about it and they're trying to figure out what happened. And then Blair comes in. But if I may pause you, yes. The disturbing line I talked about earlier, Mister Bradley says, in his frustration, "Oh, why couldn't I have stayed at that boys' school? It was so easy. Turn them loose and forget about them." I didn't catch that. that I don't is know if I was because I was so like deeply disturbing. That is no no deeply disturbing. Yes, that he said about having was there a, boy a la- school- Did they make a laugh out of it? Like, did they did? Was there like a laugh track after I, that? I don't remember. There might have been a giggle or something, but oh, yeah, no. I mean, it was meant. It was meant as a joke. It was meant as the sense that you know, no, no, you, you because you know, girls, you, you have, have to you have to refine them girls and, more. But the fact that boys and it's just like, oh my god, but that's not. Oh, if that if there was ever a line that was completely out of step with 
our times, it's that. It's like we are now learning the horrible consequences that, that of ter- yeah. letting boys loose Again, and forgetting boys about boys. them. Again, boys will be boys. Like, no, 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 no. Boys will be respectful yeah. and not yeah. attack people. Um, so then Blair comes in. Continue. Um, oh, so Blair comes in, and like you said, we find out that um, they the reason the police were called was that Steve... Which I'm still not sure. Were they? She was still in the van, and Steve just decides to take off. Or no, mm-hmm. he leaves her there. What I gather, I agree. It sounded almost like he might have left, left her, her there, there, and then he but got caught. If he didn't, speed. either he left her there, or what happened when we cut to that exterior shot of the van was that her saying, "Steve, stop it." He was actually just crawling over her getting back into the driver's seat to drive off <gasps> to in drive anger off. that he's that she only is thinking of him as a toy yeah and all that oh god and i like that so much more i hope that's i hope that's what they were going for yeah i think if you so, wrote I think so that too. episode if you wrote that if you could please write us in and let us yeah, know please. what the intention was so he drives off and like i said i'm not sure if he might kick Left her out her of the there, van or yeah but I in imagine, any case, yeah. because of peeling off, the police happened to be nearby, heard it, and so they picked him up or pulled him over, and yeah. in the course of it, got her and said, "We're going to get you home. Yes. You don't. You're 16." So we find out nothing and bad happened. He was yeah. a gentleman of some sort, still. Yeah. And he was actually angry that she didn't want to be steady. Yeah. But and still, writers, um, questionably implied rape, not cool. Yeah. Um, that's not a good cliffhanger. Um. So then we kind of come to the whole wrap up. Now Blair's home safe and Blair says that she's learned something and well, you tell me what is the wrap up? What did you get out of it? Um, that she learned about her self-esteem about like, or her self-worth. It goes back to Mrs. Garrett's speech at the, during the sex education class about she was like, I've learned something about myself, what seem or, or worth. And Mrs. Garrett at first is like excited that she's learned something, but, or that she's discovered her worth, but it's not really that. And Blair's realized, no, she's, she's not given herself enough worth. She's not given her, given herself enough of a, I, I don't know, maybe this, again, my interpretation. Okay. She, this is I, maybe, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I am saying that I do not think you are wrong, that that is kind of what Blair says. Yeah. That she talks about, um, She's you were right that I need to have self-esteem and take pride yes. and not rush things. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say I'm not sure I agree with that. That she's because, learned or that? Well, I'm not sure that what Blair did was wrong. It's not. She was in a van with a boy that she wanted to fool around. Now, how far she was planning to go, how far she was going to push that no one can say that's very, very unclear. Yes. But here's the deal, is that Steve, they both very responsibly laid out what they wanted. Steve said, I want to go steady with you. And she said, basically, I no. can't make that kind of commitment to you. Why can't we just have some fun? Yeah. And is is that bad? Is that not... That sounds to me like very much a girl showing her self-esteem in saying, I know what I want... I don't want this. But I, I, I think what, I, I see. I see what you want, and yeah. that's not what I want. I'm telling you what I want, which is fine. That that's not what I. I think what it what it is is that maybe she realized she pushed it. She pushed. I'm sorry. She pushed it too far. 
I think maybe that's what she realized. She she pushed it pushed it. I can't say push today. <laughs> she she pushed it so far with Steve that it made him angry. Do you know what I mean? Like she well, kept trying him. to invent. She tried. Well, I'm saying but is then, that, but like you, she was getting aggressive. Like she was get, she was literally putting herself on him and try. And she then was he, just trying to kiss him. She wasn't like straddling and jumping on top of his bones. But then, the, but then his response was to leave. So that's what you know what I mean. Like yeah. so, that was the end of it. So yeah, I he, think, yeah, I mean, for on his side, he responded with anger that we thought might have led to no good. But turns it did, out and it just, he he you know it's like okay Steve is still good people in our book he was just uh, the the writers and the visual rhetoric of this episode implied that he might not be in yes. fact we know that he is and um because it would be different if he a more um a see a more expected scene and a scene that we see in many other teen comedies is the boy pressuring the girl to go farther yes. than she wants. And then him saying no. And then her saying no. And him saying, well, what'd you come in my van for? What did you think was going to happen? You're a fucking cock tease. Fuck you. The idea is that that they swapped those. Yes. Is, number one, interesting. Kudos to the writers for that. Which I enjoyed, yes. And secondly, I'm just not sure. I mean, Blair was wrong to stay out after curfew. Blair was, you, you, could you say, could you say Blair, you know, again, the self-esteem thing. Self-esteem just... is I'm having sex with a boy to keep him as my boyfriend. I don't want him to be mad. So he's pressuring me to have sex and I don't know how to say no to him. That's the self-esteem question. I'm, I'm not sure that this episode quite clicks into that as clearly as it could i think it was just for me it was the self-esteem and like the self-respect like she realized she anybody should realize at a certain point like she laid out what she wanted he laid out what he wanted clearly it wasn't clicking and so then at that point then that one person should back off like again if it was flipped if it's the guy and he's pressuring the girl. Yeah. And the girl says, no, I want us to be steady. I want us, I don't want this. Then the guy should say, all right, I get it. And that's what he should say. Yeah. So she should, that's what I'm saying. It's either whoever's doing it should be like, okay, if that's not what you want, that's, and then that's it. But she's a, she shouldn't feel bad about laying out her expectations. No. Not, I'm not saying that. Yeah. But I think it's what it is, is the idea that it's the, again, it's the pushing, pushing, pushing. It's the, what is it? What that one girl says, uh, is it Nancy? Who says, um, until they stop asking you or until they pressure you to do it. It's that you shouldn't feel that. That I think is what she is remarking on. It's like, she realized that maybe she was the one pressuring, pressuring. And that's, that's where I don't know. That's how I understand what you're saying. I would therefore challenge the writers to do another rewrite of this script. <laughs> Please come back to 1980. Get in your time machine because at no point does Blair say, I have a date with Steve and he is such a hottie. I'm going to do whatever he wants me to do. Uh huh. You know, you, the idea of Blair, you're so lucky to have a guy as hot as Steve to be your boyfriend. The idea that, yeah, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to keep him. That's yeah. the... That, to me, would be the element that this episode lacks. There okay. is no point anywhere where Blair ever says that she feels pressure from him. 
There's no point when Blair ever says she was pressuring herself to do it for him in order to keep him. All Blair ever talks about is, for all intents and purposes, just being sexually adventurous and Mm open-minded. That's what she's arguing in the classroom. She's not saying, fuck every dude you meet. Yeah. And, and And she's saying, and I don't subscribe to waiting till marriage. I mean, I... I get it, and I agree with her. Yeah. But the whole... I think if that's what they wanted the message of this to be, I think if they wanted Blair's lesson learned at the end of the episode to be more profound, that the groundwork they laid should have had, and um, and it would have been interesting for Blair, because Blair, due to her wealth mm-hmm. and her beauty, is a very confident young woman. Yes. It would have been interesting to see that shaken... Because, well, because this is the cutest boy. Because this is the boy that all the other girls are pining after. Yes. So it's important for me as a, to keep my status. status to, I to have to keep him. him. That's where I'm going with it. I believe Blair did exercise proper self-esteem in the van. And um, I'm glad she thinks she learned something at the end of the episode. But I'm not You're sure, not sure what, it what it is. Okay. Um, well, this is where, again... We can agree we'll to disagree. To, we'll agree. Well, yes. Just we like can, friends can. And the final capper to the episode is Natalie revealing that she knew all along. She knew it the whole time. The whole time. She's like, of course I know. He told me about it. And you're like, oh, Natalie. Oh, Natalie. <laughs> <laughs> Freeze you're gonna, frame. You're going to be so many uh, gay men's best friends. It's you not are. even funny. <laughs> I, I want to be, be Mindy Cohn's best friend in the worst way. Yeah. If you watch the videos of her interviews and stuff now, she is so fucking cool. I like, I, I want to be, Mindy Cohn, if you ever, <laughs> ever are aware of this podcast or ever hear my voice, I want to be your best friend so bad. <laughs> and I don't mean that in a creepy, stocky way. No, he doesn't. I he's, mean it in a super, super He's not like boy. holding a picture of your headshot with some uh, hair tape to it. No. <laughs> no. It's not at all. <sighs> Oh, but she dear. reveals that, and 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 that's yeah, that's basically the wrap up, and and that's the end of the episode. So you know, again, on on the good bad ometer, as far as episodes go, this is one of the better ones because they're dealing with a touchy subject matter. Mm-hmm. They don't deal with it in a necessarily bad way. They don't really try to shame anybody. You kind of see different sides. Yeah, the the good of it is it skims the surface, mm-hmm. but at no point. Do they ever, I think, say anything that is completely off base, out of line, wrong to mm-hmm. these girls of multiple ages? So yeah. um, I think for Facts of Life, I think Facts of Life season one, this is one of the better ones. Yeah, it was good. I enjoyed it. Yes, it had some really. I laughed. It had some really good zingers in it. Mm-hmm. And I'm really going to try to learn um, cookie poker. Cookie poker with, with Fig Newtons. <laughs> with Fig Newtons and Oreos. I'm pretty sure there are Oreos in there. there Were there Oreos? It, if we play, there will be Oreos. Okay. Chips okay. Ahoy Oreos and Fig Newtons. I expect you to arrange that. Oh, yeah, that's Cookie good. poker. I just, yeah, I just have to learn how to play poker now. So, sadly, our time has come uh, to an end. I hope we'll have you back for a later episode. Yeah, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have to, I'm going to watch some more of this now. For, like, an 80s sitcom, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, yeah. And, and it doesn't, it's not even good yet. Awesome. Than okay. this. It's really good. So I, I look forward it. to showing you more of it. Yes. So do come back. Alex Morozik, thank you for being here. Thank we you will for see you back me. soon. Bye. And there you have it. 
That is Alex Morozik, and he and I gabbed an awful, awful lot. I had to cut out so much of this show to get it down to the length that it is, and I still didn't come anywhere close to my one-hour goal, but, you know, rules are made to be broken, and goals are made to be not achieved. Is, is that what the adage is? Anyway, I'm going to post some extras. There are a couple of little encapsulated bits here that I'm going to post separately, not as the podcast. They will be just sound files you can find on our website. What is the website, you may ask? Well, I'll tell you. Facethefactspod.com. That is where you find everything about the show. You find links to our social media. You can email me from there. Tell me what you think of the show. And you can also link to your favorite podcatchers there as well. That's all for this week. Next week, Season 1, Episode 9, called Flash Flood. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, the facts of life are all about you. (laughs) 